Hey guys, this is Stacy Martin. I'm one of the elders at Christ City Church, and you're about to hear part two of a three-part podcast, a conversation between Robin and Jamin around protesting and kind of the narrative context for that um, for us in this day and age. What I think is particularly important for our little body for Christ City Church is how protesting is deeply connected to our humanity and how that should be a natural outpouring of the questioning that we're doing about our society. So listen up to this conversation and I hope you enjoy it. Right now in 2020, we're in July of 2020, uh, and at the, the execution really of George Floyd, just almost... May 25th. May 25th, right? So... At the execution of George Floyd, which for many people over the years, what they would say was, is that here's someone who was, who the, the police detained and, and they would have looked past it, right? And, and he died uh, in, in being detained, but being recorded. And, um, uh, and it set ablaze protests for weeks that are really still going to, to today. And so here we are in weeks of protests and it wasn't just George's uh, uh, murdering; it was Brianna, right, and, mm-hmm. and Ahmad. Um, Ahmad, and, and others, and others, Eric, and others have been happening. They're coming to light here. So, he, here's here's what I'm wondering: like, why are these protests happening? And I, I'm going to give kind of a really simple response that I is founded in in white supremacist ideals, right, mm-hmm. um, in a whitewashed world here. But it is. We abolish slavery, so whatever is missing in, in black America is their fault, right? Yeah. And so that's kind of the idea right. that, that, that's being pushed against. Yeah. So, but let's just talk for a little bit or for a while about these protests. What's happening? And what is it that we have, we've been missing over and over again that has led to this crescendo at this moment? Yeah, this is um, – this, this has to do with, with how we – we sort of live and play out history generationally. Um, I was, I was in um, North Dakota, where the pipeline protest happened, um, where I don't even know how many nations, how many Native American nations came and set up camp there wow. to okay. try and stop the the oil pipeline yep. from going under their water sources on the on the reservations. Mm-hmm. And I sat with one of the elders there and just kind of was just asking him, you know, about w- what they plan to do about this and what what they're trying to do and what they hope to accomplish. And um, and what could, what could I, you know, bring back to Memphis with me? Uh, and um, he talked about he talked about the 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 generational impact and wounds of how the Native Americans were treated and how they, 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 they are dealing emotionally over and over again with these, these unresolved uh, traumas. Mm-hmm. So generational traumas is, 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 what he, is what he was talking about. It took me a while to, to find the term. And yeah, that made a lot of sense to me and, and he explained it so calmly and clearly and you know with with a certain level of fatigue and i think Hmm. i think there's a whole lot of people who 
in America right now who have become aware enough of that generational trauma Mm-hmm. on on whichever side they've been on it, you know, because there's tons of white people protesting. I mean, there's places that are like all white that have right. had, had protests yeah. and stuff. I'm like, what? This is <laughs> incredible. Um, it, it, but, but in concert with that, like you mentioned, there was a video and, you know, I've been I've been thinking about this for a while, but I think this the point that we're at in the Internet age and our access to information is not too different from the the printing press. So being able to print typable, movable type text in in Europe, uh, that these are these are similar phenomenons in history. So there was a huge peasant and serfdom revolt when Luther uh, translated the Bible in its entire the New Testament mm-hmm. into German. Mm-hmm. And then it was proliferated to the common German folk uh, through the printing press. And as they read the the Bible, as they got the information that had been guarded and protected and had been given to them in the ways that would keep them in place, Mm -hmm. once that veil was lifted and they could read for themselves. And, you know, some of the anecdotes is like most common German people had a copy or a part of a copy of the Bible on them at all times and would be arguing about it hmm. in the public square and what, when they're trading goods and doing all this kind of stuff. And it led them to revolt against the landowners. Hmm. And, um, and I think we're at a similar point in our history where you have, you see things like what you see that can't, it can't be covered up anymore. It yeah. can't be, nuanced in the language anymore to see uh, uh, an agent of the state the most visible agent of the state is the police slowly snuffing the life out of a man for eight minutes and 46 seconds you just you just can't find the nuance to to say that that was okay Hmm. Um, and in the progression of what it's been of people like uh, tamir rice a little boy getting shot by police in three seconds. They pull up on him on a security camera and just shoot him dead. Goodness. Little boy. Yeah. Um, Eric, Eric Gardner, all these different folks. Uh, the list is long. Freddie Gray, just there's so many. And um, so I think that's, that's part of why the protests are happening is people are feeling something internally, this generational trauma that's being triggered and activated by the deaths that we are seeing. And we have organizations like Black Lives Matter that are pushing out lots of history that's been um, covered up, that's been um, that's been nuanced to support this idea of, of progress that has to sort of happen and black people are just kind of the casualty of it because they're inferior, they're inferior intellectually or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? And so all of these things are kind of converging in this moment uh, to where um, people have enough information, they have enough sense of outrage, they can see it so clearly, uh, the history is readily available and can't be... Um, can't be kept from people. And so we protest. Hmm. And um, I saw a guy, I don't know where it was. It's a, it's a white man, a white middle-aged man. And he had, a, he had a shirt or a sign. And it said, it said like, 
um, Trayvon Martin is my son and uh, like George Floyd is my brother. Hmm. Uh, so there's something in the combination of those things that's deeply spiritual that's happening uh, where people are beginning to recognize their common humanity mm. with uh, groups of people who have historically uh, overtly and then, and, and then later less overtly have been treated as less than human. And I, uh, cause I don't want to miss this, just this moment here. Cause you I mean, you were getting teary. I just mentioning Trayvon's my son, George is my brother. So if, what does that mean to you personally? Where'd you go? Um, uh, hope (laughs) it, when, when you, when you, when you spend a long time, you know, most of your adult life and I'm only 37, but most of your adult life, like feels like just scratching and clawing to like make some progress out of this pit that everybody else seems good with, you know, it's like, I don't, why are you so bothered by this? Like everything's pretty good, man. Like Mm -hmm. we're in America, Mm -hmm. like don't they have it worse in Iran or wherever, you know, and just to see that type of solidarity Mm. from the, the archetypal enemy of of the common humanity like the middle-aged white man is is the is the quintessential you know antagonist Mm -hmm. to this movement you know to the point where just with complete you know moral honesty a a, a christian man can say jamin i think black lives matter is evil Mm -hmm. it's an evil movement You know, and then to see a representative of that demographic with that on his body or, or a sign, I, I don't remember, it, it, uh, it's hopeful. Yeah. It feels like, my God, maybe I can rest for a second, mm. you know, because somebody's actually getting this. I wonder if I've used this, this visual, this metaphor before of, of more hands of the piano. Yeah. Right. It seems kind of like that. Yeah. Like here's something and you're almost surprised with the hands that are on to help lift the piano. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I appreciate yeah. I just, I just, uh, it's important that we don't just talk ideas that we kind of recognize the humanity in all this. And, you know, this is a, a very, I, I just want people listening to understand just how personal this is. Yeah. And it should, it should be personal. Right. Um, and that others that who aren't black, right, or a person of color, it's still personal for them as well. Yeah. And um, that's through our experiences. That's where, if we let it, some of the best things come up for us. Yeah. When it gets to be that personal. Yeah. And let me just add to that sure. that reading reading James Baldwin was was the person who who helped me to not just be against. Uh, racism or like the empire Mm -hmm. of America. 
but also realize that, as, as King would say, that we are all tied in a single garment of destiny. Hmm. And Baldwin would say it in a, in a more um, threatening way that what, whatever we do to black Americans will eventually will overtake our country. Mm. How that, that's why the book is called The Fire Next Time. It's from, it's from the, the, the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, no, Noah, got the, Noah got the rainbow, but it's the fire next time. Mm. So Genesis and then, the, and then the, the picture in Revelation. Oh, wow. Uh, and so, he, you know, what he's talking about so there is, is that there, there is no way to separate the destinies of black and white Americans. And that, in fact, a true look at history shows that they're intertwined as to be one. That there's that that every aspect of our culture, our government, our philosophy, our politics, everything, um, our religion, there's no way to say this is distinctly and separately white and this is distinctly and separately black. That whether we want to be or not, that our 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 cultures and our lives are are uh, are ins- inseparably mixed. So um, we're still getting to like white supremacy, white privilege, white fragility. Those are things that I really want us to hit on. But let, let me do this with the, with the protests. You know, this past weekend was the 4th of July. Yeah. The, 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 and the story is that this is our Independence Day. Yeah. Right? And what so many people are realizing for the first time is that truly isn't an in, the, our true Independence Day because not every person in this country truly had independence because slavery was still intact. And um, so the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump, went and held um, basically kind of a reboot start to his campaign because this is general election coming up. And he did it at Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Um, under, right, the faces of, of Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, Roosevelt, right? Yeah. And there was a lot of outrage around this as well. And yeah. uh, without getting more onto his side of the street, the president, right? Yeah. Uh, because that wouldn't go well for us if we did that. No. Nah. But that's a different podcast, too. And I was about to say, anybody listening to us at this point? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that said, he made a statement and he said that the goal of these protests is not a better America or to better America, but to end America as we know it. Uh-huh. Said that underneath Mount yeah. Rushmore, right? Yeah. So uh, here's what I'm wondering. Like, what do we do or, or what does it look like to question the, and I've heard you talk about this before, kind of the myth yeah. of this country. Yeah. What, is it, what does it look like and what does it mean to question the myth of this country's beginnings for ourselves and as a church, okay? Mm-hmm. So what, is it, what does it mean if we're going to be willing to question the myth of this country? And mm-hmm. I want you to unpack the myth of this country for a minute because I've heard you talk about that before. Yeah. But then, like, start – because, you know, a lot of these protests, what I hear you saying is these protests are a culmination of, of our humanity coming to its best form. Yeah. Right? And, and which, by the way, like, 
Jesus is into this. <laughs> yeah. The prophets are into it. Yeah. Moses is into it when he goes to Pharaoh. I mean, there's all kind of yeah. protests yeah. kind of thing. Um, and with the teachings of Jesus, you and I could riff on that all day yeah. long with, yeah. with turning of the cheek it's, and that kind of stuff. It's incredibly easy to do that. Right. So when, when Martin, Martin Luther King, Dr. King pulls from this, it truly isn't out of thin air, you know, and he wasn't the first one to pull it, but like when we think of civil rights or Gandhi or others. Right. So what you've done is painted a picture of, the, of how necessary protests are if we're to lean more into our humanity yeah. and to push against what has been handed to us. Mm. And, and yet I'm wondering, as people who are American, we're, you know, we're living in America, what does it mean for us to question the myth of this country's beginnings and for ourselves and individuals of the church, like what do we do with that and how do we handle that? Yeah. So because of my experiences as a black man and a biracial person, when I was in Binghampton when I was 22 and 23 and so on and so forth, and I saw the situations, it led me to different questions than some of my white brothers and sisters who were living in the neighborhood or coming into the neighborhood to do you know, charity and, and, and to Christianize people who already knew the Bible really well. Right. Um, and, uh, I, I was asking those questions because, because my experiences were different. And so when, when you hear from people who have a different experience than you and they say, I hurt, I have pain and I struggle and this is what happens to me. This is my lived experience. The first thing that we have to do is have enough resolve within us, even though that feels scary because you haven't experienced that same thing to say, I want to listen to your story. Mm. If you don't do that, then uh, uh, there, there are, are di it's difficult to find a path forward. Yep. Uh, with this work and, and bringing it back to Jesus with the Beatitudes, mm -hmm. you know, and the whole Sermon on the Mount. I mean, he he flips the script of where where the deepest, truest spirituality comes from. Mm. It comes from those who are hurting, mm. who are downtrodden, who are underneath, yes. um, not from those who have had the privilege of the highest education and have been protected from the, the realities of the world and, and benefit off of those things. Mm -hmm. And so that's the first um, aspect of unraveling the myth. Mm. But then it's further complicated because then you have people like, what's her name, Candace Owen, or yep. who, who, who uh, as, my, as my artist friend Milton says, he says, all skin folk ain't kin folk. <laughs> um, you know, and she, so she's found a way to, to commodify and, 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 and find profit off of the American myth. Mm. And so there's a lot of white folk who will run to somebody like that or in, in more in like the evangelical world, run to somebody like a, like a Vody Bauckham or somebody like that, who they look like they will, will be able to, to engage the other part of this narrative yeah. because, of, uh, because of their skin, right. because of their hair or whatever it is. Um, but all they do is reaffirm all of the things that that the predominant and, and majority white culture thinks. Yeah. And so, um, you know, there, if, if the voice doesn't, if it doesn't make you scared, if it doesn't cause you to 
put things into question, then you probably need to keep looking for who you're, who you're going to listen to because it is not comfortable. You know, Jesus was not crucified just simply because that's what God wanted. He was crucified because he pissed off everybody who held power in an unjust way. Mm -hmm. I mean, he pissed them all off to Mm -hmm. the point they're like, we have got to kill this guy. He's upsetting the current power structure. Mm -hmm. And so really that quote you read from Trump, I, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with what he said, because in his mind, his idea of America is one that where a person like him, uh, the boy who never grew up, Peter Pan, uh, completely irresponsible person, um, uh, uh, the, the, the best gangster we got, mm-hmm. filed for bankruptcy three times, constantly being sued for his, his uh, fake you know, Trump University. He was calling into Fortune 500 companies to lie about how much he was worth all through the 80s and the 90s. You know, failed just in every aspect of life, and yet he's, he's the president. Um, you didn't vote for him, right? I'm just <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm picking up here from what, what you just said. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, um, he, you know, to get to get to that point, and he says, can you read the quote one more time? Because this yeah. is important to yeah. this, this yeah. myth. Let me pull it up um, here. Idea. So, here's what he said, yeah. standing under Mount Rushmore. The goal of these protests is not to better America, but to end America as we know it. Yeah. So the protests are to end America as we know it. Because mm. the America as we know it is one that when Colin Kaepernick peacefully protested that he got a myriad of death threats. Yep. That Martin Luther King Jr. just protesting for the end of segregation, completely peacefully, one of the most articulate theologians who was the most incarnational version of, of the faith that, that uh, many who tried to kill him hold so dear. Mm-hmm. You know, he received death threats every day for over a decade of his life, mm. of his adult, every single day. Mm. And the FBI was lying on him and they were trying to make him into a communist and all, all kinds of things. Right. So, yes, um, yes, to end America as we know it, yes, that is what the protests mm-hmm. Um, are seeking to do because of the injustice that exists for um, people who are not white. Yeah. And so that's where the myth becomes so important. And, and I think I can, I can address this in one anecdote going back to, to, to Colin Kaepernick and kneeling. And there were a couple, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm showing my hand here, but I, you know, I don't know all the NFL stuff and, yeah. and that kind of thing. But I know there were two prominent NFL players that were arguing about this online recently. And the, the white one said, like, it is so disrespectful to kneel during the flag. Like, I have a, a grandfather who, Drew Brees. Yep. Who, who fought in World War II, yep. you know, and uh, that's, that's so disrespectful. Mm. And the, the black player said, like, well, you know, I got ancestors that fought in World War II also, and they didn't come back to a very warm welcome. And he might not have known the depth of the history, Mm -hmm. but in the period after slavery and reconstruction in which lynching became a prominent practice in the South up until the civil rights movement, uh, uh, you know, um, sort of put an end to that, Um, even though we just got the law passed Mm -hmm. (laughs) that lynching is a hate crime. But, uh, 
but um the so the 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 biggest cause of white racial uh riots and destruction of black life happened around the return of black veterans hmm. to their homes because black veterans had a sense by the way my dad is a is a black veteran of the vietnam war mm-hmm. and uh has paid all of us but especially him was paid paid for it ever yeah. since emotionally and, and and in every way mm-hmm. but um you know that the 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 white southern population had so much rage around the 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 black war veterans that came back because they had fought for our country. They had been seen, you know, France called this black battalion in World War II the men of bronze. And they, they the things they said about this, this uh, platoon or battalion or whatever, uh, about this group of men said they were unparalleled in heroism and honor. Mm. And then they come back to the Southern white mentality of being called boy and being in a subservient position. Mm-hmm. And they're like, man, F this. Mm-hmm. I just fought Nazis mm-hmm. and I just like saw my brothers die. And, uh, and what ha- ha- ended up happening is hundreds of black veterans were lynched by mobs. Wow. And so that's the problem with the myth of America is you have this, this football player crying. Well, like this is disrespectful to my paw. And it's like, dude, bro, this is, that's one part of the story. Mm-hmm. How do you, why do you still not know? Mm-hmm. Why do you, why do you perceive this as such a threat? Mm-hmm. Well, because until this story um, becomes de-mythologicalized, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, then, then that's the posture that's taken so often because it feels like you're attacking America instead of a, a partial and therefore completely untrue narrative of who the heroes in America are. Yeah. Because America couldn't be anything close to wh- what it is without the heart and soul and minds of black people who struggled for their just their life, their breath, but also, you know, contributed in these incredible ways to make America what it is. But that's not part of our story. Black people are a footnote. And it's just like, a, well, they were slaves, but then we set them free. And so they should kind of be grateful. And like, you know, they play this small little role. Yeah. You know, you said something earlier about until we can hear the hurt from someone, we'll never make progress in a relationship about where it can go and what healing looks like. Yeah. Right? I mean, with your kids, you got three kids and you know this, I know this, until we look at their boo-boo, <laughs> until yeah. we look at the thing that's so painful. Yeah. Kiss it, rub it, you know what I mean? Recognize the pain, put a Band-Aid on it. We're not moving on from that moment. Right. <laughs> and obviously what we're talking about here is way more in depth, way more psychologically damaging. Right. Okay. And and the principle's the same. But the principle's the same. That... The, the pain must be looked at, and I'm thinking like of Kendrick Lamar's line, sit down and be humble. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. there's just a, a moment that, that white America as a whole must sit down and be humble and listen to what's happened here. Yeah. Because a lot of people will go, well, that's, 
but that that didn't do this. It's right. not it's not me. And you're like, yeah, but it's where you came from. Yeah. And it's the compounded interest of that yeah. effect today. Yeah. And what a lot of people I've heard, and and it was kind of like in the undertones of what what the president was talking about, right? Is because his he's he's he wants to build this whole kind of I don't know if you heard this like a whole kind of monument of American heroes that yeah. basically he'll kind of I guess pick and choose of uh-huh. of who's in that right and yeah. and his thing that he's creating is that that there's this hyper liberal culture yeah. that's a cancel culture wants yeah. to cancel out right, right? so wants to cancel out mm. all the Confederate statues and and whatever else um, but why is that important? That those statues are being taken down, yeah, and that this change is happening, yeah, and tie it to this whole hurt thing and hearing like because what you and or and another person who is black when they see a, a soldier, a Confederate soldier yeah. statue, is different than what me or someone else might experience. They look at that, right? So let's just talk there for a minute, right? And because in turn, I think that leads to why question a, a a Washington, a Jefferson. We don't have to question like. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, right? Yeah. We don't have to, that, that's true. Yeah. But we have to question the people who brought that forward. So just yeah. riff on that for a minute. Yeah. So I'll, I'll start with the, the Confederate statues. There's a lot of those being removed right now. And, um, you know, it's important to understand when those statues were put up. Uh, they were put up during post-Reconstruction uh, in the South in which black communities very, very quickly, uh, they, they very, very quickly started to establish their own economies, their own middle-class neighborhoods, all these types of things, and, and get elected into, uh, into local uh, government positions, city, state, state government. I mean, it, it happened fast uh, because, you know, Black people are just as capable, even if even having endured all the the, the brutality and cruelty of slavery, and uh, so that's when you had the the KKK and um, all the black codes and and various laws being passed to to criminalize black people. If we can't keep them as slaves, we can turn them into criminals and reenslave them that way, mm-hmm. and and kind of keep them in their place and. Um, so those those monuments uh, to Confederate soldiers started going up uh, once once black people started to progress despite all of those things, mm. where there was there was nothing that was working ultimately to hold black people in the pl- in the place that 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 uh, that the southern whites and and, and northern profited off of it as well uh, in, in those places, and so those statues were. You know, the sort of the argument is like, well, you're erasing history. Right. Well, they were put up in the first place as symbols to instill fear and to instill dominance over black people mm-hmm. who were gaining at scary speeds levels of equality. Mm-hmm. And not, and it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, vi- it was, it, it wasn't violent the way that they were doing it. It was just like, I'm going to open my own grocery store. And I'm going to have healthy capitalist competition with the white grocer over here. And, oh, now a mob kills me and destroys my store, mm-hmm. you know, and we're going to put up a statue just to just to make sure you really get the message. Like we're going to put up these guys who fought for slavery to let you know where we stand. So those symbols 
they 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 yes there is a heritage that is associated when you're on this on this one narrative side of the story like yeah i don't i i can't even articulate it well because i've never been interested enough to to go deep into that right. into that somebody else can do that right but um but but it's important because those are symbols of uh, it, it's it's akin to having st- statues of the Third Reich uh, guys in Germany, mm-hmm. like Hit- Hitler's boys. Like that's what it's akin to. It's like, hey, these people um, kind of like took over and uh, brutalized and murdered uh, the the people of our country, and uh, and ultimately they they were they they failed, and uh, so now we're going to memorialize them with statues. Everybody knows who Hitler is, but there ain't no statues of him. Right. Like we can read a book, we can, you know, go to a museum, right. you know, we can learn about these things, but statues are really important because they show they're elevated, yep. you know, they're on, they're on horseback, they're equestrian mm-hmm. statues. Mm-hmm. And so they make uh, a statement about what we glorify, what we lift up, the scale and the size of them matters in a way that few other things matter. And so it's not, it's not a cancel culture, although I would like to see uh, replacement statues. I'd like to see um, artists of color commissioned to create new statues for our history. Melt down those ones that are bronze and stuff, and create new ones. And it doesn't have to not include Christopher Columbus or whoever it might be. They could still be in there. They should just be like chopping off the hands of Native Americans, and then you see another Native American leader who led his people over here doing this. They just have to be more complex. Yeah. They have to paint a true picture. Yes, and that seems to be the heart behind when I when I think of all these all that's happening, the protests, and when I hear you talk, and I hear other people who have who are activists and have been active, what I hear is people coming back to I just we just want to have a level playing ground of an honest conversation. Yeah, and if we can start there, within the art, right within within every part of culture, then we will get to more resolve yeah about what to do yeah how to handle this yeah because because art matters and culture matters and that gets us back to this conversation about the bible of experience and the culture we grew up in and those type of things because what you grow grow up with makes gives you tolerance to entertain certain ideas that's good more than others yep so if you grow up around statues, all the only statues you see in your town, the only flag you see is, say, Mississippi. You see statues of Confederate soldiers, and you see the rebel flag in your state flag. Mm-hmm. Well, you are going to have a very low tolerance to engage ideas that give a historically accurate narrative mm-hmm. of your history. Yep. And you don't have to search deeper to find an identity and a worth because those things readily remind you and give you access to that cultural and identity capital. It, it almost works as, cause I think about for me growing up, I grew up in Mississippi, right? And so I'm a biracial kid, Mississippi, 60 acres of land out in the middle of nowhere. All my family's white. Right. And, um, and, and like people like Ole Miss, Right. There's a university yeah. there in Mississippi, and the mascot was the Colonel Rebel. Yeah, and Mississippi with with the 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 Rebel flag embedded in it, yeah. and just 
everything was normalized. It was almost like a, a sedative of sorts. Yeah. A mass sedative mm, of... That's a good way to think about it. Right. Of like, it just kind of like gives you a haze and you're... And to break out of it, you is so difficult. Um, and so what, what I hear that we're doing is we're removing those sedatives when we remove the statues, when we remove these these things that yeah. can almost remind, like say, no, 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 this is really what's happening. And, yeah. and, uh, or when the argument comes up about heritage or erasing yeah. my heritage, you're like, we're no more erasing your heritage as to, you know what I mean? As we erased what happened in certain parts of the world. Right. But we don't glorify those yeah. things. My pa fought in World War II. Yeah, so did mine. Right. You know, there's, there's no, we're, we're taking away a, a privilege to not have to recognize history as it actually unfolded. So, great segue to, now let's talk about, let's talk about all things white supremacy. Let's talk about white privilege. And I want to talk about white fragility. And so there are the three ideas there that are being thrust out, right, to the open, that you're seeing more people having conversation around. Stuff you've been thinking through, living with for years and years now. L- tie that into what we've been what we've been discussing so far. You've just heard part two of a three-part podcast from Christ City Church. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, for me, just thinking about the context for protests right now in 2020, the digital age um, was just really fascinating. I learned a lot of things that I didn't know. And I'm really excited for you to hear part three. Um, Jamin is going to provide some answers to the question Robin posed there at the end. So I hope you'll stay tuned and listen um, for his thoughts on white supremacy and privilege um, and kind of a foundation for being an ally in this day and age. And if you are not a part of Christ City, um, you can visit ChristCity.org to find out more about who we are and what we do. And we'd love your support. Thanks so much.